We start our, uh, the first session of Saturday, inshallah. I hope we have had sufficient rest, although I doubt that. But uh, I have to make some housekeeping points, unfortunately. They might sound a bit petty, but we have to go through them, unfortunately. It's not uh, trying to be petty, but um, there are some points we need to mention first, just housekeeping rules. So the rest of the days kind of proceed more smoothly with less complaints, inshallah. And then the speaker will come, we can start the talk. Now, first of all, about registration. There might be people who are arriving today who haven't yet registered because it's not open. It's meant to be open at 9 o'clock, inshallah. So you can always register later on. So it, it, don't, don't worry about not registering now. Just attend the lecture or have your breakfast. But do make sure that we have registered and we do wear our badges because if we don't wear the badges, it becomes a problem in terms of identifying who are valid participants and who are not. Um, and stewards are liable to stop people in terms of like saying, where is your badge or have you registered? And it might become an annoyance or an irritation. Car parking. We have a problem with car parking because um, some cars are parked blocking other cars. And worse than that, blocking driveways. So people can't get in and out at all. And I'll make one announcement during the lecture. I'll just type it up, the car number, registration number, which we'll need to move. Uh, keys for rooms is a big problem, and we are constantly needing to contact the porters to open locked doors. It, 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 everybody suffers, especially those who are supposed to be staying in that room. And everybody who had applied uh, before coming to the conference and received a ticket received a letter explaining to them there will be up to three of you sharing the room. And it was done with agreement and understanding. And there have been some sisters, I think, who didn't, didn't want to share the rooms with so-and-so and so-and-so. And, and they locked them out. And, and this is very uh, tragic because those who have been locked out can't get in and we can't find them extra accommodation. We are full. And also, if you lock your roommate out by being inconsiderate about who has the key and stuff like that, it not only adds delay to people getting in and out and calling the porter and so on, but a person might end up not staying in your room, which he or she was meant to. That means you ended up being two of you or one of you in the room. Then you need to pay the equivalent of three people. Otherwise, you're cheating on us. Do you understand that? There's three people per room, and we're recovering the cost through this means. So if there's only two of you and the third person is expelled unfairly, then that means you've actually essentially, in essence, stolen 35 pounds from us. You know? So if you really want to do that, you have to make sure you pay. Uh, the, the fourth point is um, seating. You can't reserve seats. Uh, it would be nice for you to come back next lecture and have the same seat again, but we, don't, we, we can't do that. So if you go to the toilet to come back, you should expect the same seat. But unfortunately, you can't reserve seats it doesn't apply to the brothers, I think, more, more to the poor sisters. Reserve seats for the next lecture. Like leave your coat there or your bag and say, next lecture I'm going, I want to sit in the same place. It's a first in, first come you know, basis, inshallah. It's easier for the women's section because they have designated areas for children, crash and so forth. So if there are kiddies making noise and so forth, they can be taken to different areas. But for brothers, it's a bit of a problem because we don't have crash running in this area and so on. But there is a marquee at the back which can house 200 people and it's cooler there with their fans and so forth and the screen where you can watch. So if you have kids who are looking after as a father or a parent and so on and the kids started making noise, we will urge you to take your children or your kid to either the JCR, common room there, or to the marquee. 
and not disturb the main auditorium here because it interferes with the recording. We are making digital copies of everything which we can release later on and it will be very unfortunate in the middle of a lecture all you hear is a child screaming in the back and the, the speech is drowned out by this noise. So, you know, try and be you know, aware of that. It does interfere with the recording. That's why we don't allow people to put mics and things or, or machines over here, recording machines on the desk. What else? Um, toilets. Something about toilet. I don't know. I've forgotten what, what I'm supposed to mention about toilets. I suppose it means keep it clean or something like that. But you know, something about toilets. Mobile phones. Please try and switch your mobile phones off or put them on, on buzzer or vibration or something because that also interferes with the, the speaker's train of thought when the mobile phone starts ringing. And it not only interferes with the public, but the speaker as well. And finally, there are, there are going to be Q&A slips given out. There's always a huge problem with the Q&A. That's, that's no problem. There's always a, always a difficulty with Q&A because we never have enough time to answer all the questions. Nor do we have, it, it seems, enough time to do, the, to do the, to, uh, the lecture itself. So what we are following a strategy this year is something different. Might work or might not. Let's see if it does or not. We're going to allow the speaker as much time as he needs within that session to speak. So he doesn't have to be rushed to finish in 45 minutes or 50 minutes. If he's speaking for one hour, 15 minutes, he can go the whole stretch. If he has time left at the end, 5 minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, if he wishes to, he can entertain questions. Whatever we can, we, we can um, you know, uh, ad address. But there will be special time set aside right at the end uh, one whole session where we can just address questions, inshallah. So we'll see if that works or not. So, the, uh, so what we'll do is we'll collect all your questions at the end, put them in a box if the speaker doesn't take any of them at, at this session, and then deal with them later on as many as we can. But we will never be able to answer all the questions we know that for a fact. I think that's about it. So we can begin bring the speaker in now, inshallah. إن الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا إنه من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدًا عبده ورسوله يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن إلا وأنتم مسلمون يا أيها الناس اتقوا ربكم الذي خلقكم من نفس واحدة وخلق منها زوجها وبث منهما رجالا كثيرا ونساء واتقوا الله الذي تساءلون به والأرحام إن الله كان عليكم رقيبا يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم أعمالكم 
ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم ومن يطع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما أما بعد فإن أصدق الحديث كتاب الله تعالى وخير الهدي هدي محمد صلى الله عليه وآله وسلم وشر الأمور محدثاتها وكل محدثة بدعة وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار بذز سستز الإسلام before we start talking upon the main topics, I feel it is necessary to shed light upon certain points that I feel they are necessary and they will pave the way for the main subject. Creation is a need of Allah because the subject is preserving the da'wah and the message of the prophets throughout times. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, out of his own mercy and grace, he has chosen from among mankind, human beings, prophets, and messengers, and he inspired them. Because they are the ones who are going to show us the way. Without their guidance, we'll be lost. So creation is a need of Allah. And this is something innate, something instinctive. When you are under distress, under critical situations, crucial moments, you cry only and you turn to Allah. So man always looks for what benefits him and what protects him from harm. This is something natural. When the weather is cold, he will cover his, himself. This is something natural. Even the animals, they will have fur, and they will grow there. This is something natural, in order to adapt yourself to the environment. So it is something instinctive and something natural in man, that he looks for what benefits, benefits him and what protects him from harm. But what is harm? Man by himself... Sometimes he will, throughout trial and error, he will find, oh, this is something harmful, so he will not. A child, when he touches charcoal, something hot, he will not do that again. Trial and error. So, however, to accomplish this, man must be able to realize what is harmful. He must then know whom he should need to tell him that this thing is harmful, don't do it. Trust, love, so that he can attain what is beneficial. As well as to feel good about his choice. I need something, so I need someone to tell me that this is right, this is good for you, this is bad. Don't do that. He also must know the proper and good approach that would make him achieve this goal. And that is to protect himself and to avoid the harm. And this, the latter condition, requires man two things. To know about the harm itself and what ways can be used to drive harm away. So you need two things. First of all, to know what is the harm 
and how to avoid it. Man has no better guidance than that which comes from the one who had perfected everything. No better guidance. Except the guidance that came to us from Allah who had perfected everything. The one who has no deficiency in himself and in his attributes. And that's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And I'm not going to talk about the existence of God or the proofs, etc. Because the proofs about the existence of God, because we are, I'm addressing believers, there are so many and numerous. They are logical proofs, they are rational proofs, they are intuitional proofs, and they are material proofs as well. Tangible proofs about the existence of God. And I'm just going to quote this hadith. Because I am sure many of you, they have felt it. That when you are in need and you cry upon Allah and you supplicate to Allah and you see the response. And you see how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala responds to your prayers and your supplication. That means there's someone who had heard you and he responded to your supplication. We know in the authentic hadith that a man entered on Friday and the Prophet ﷺ was giving the khutbah. And he said, O Prophet of Allah, ask Allah to send rain. The livestock are perished. The Prophet ﷺ, he raised his hands while he was upon, uh, standing on the pulpit. And there was no single cloud on the sky. And all of a sudden, the sky turned to be dark and black. The Prophet ﷺ did not descend from the pulpit. When he came down, the, rain, the drops of rain was rolling down his beard. Immediately. Immediately. He prayed, he raised his hands, and the rain came. No clouds, nothing. And it continued for one week. And the second Friday, whether that man or another man came, he said, Oh Allah, oh Prophet of Allah, ask Allah to withhold it, to stop it. Our houses are destroyed because they're made of clay and mud, etc. So the Prophet ﷺ, the man asked, ask Allah to stop it. The Prophet ﷺ did not ask for Allah to stop it, but to divert it. He said, Allahumma hawalayna wa la alayna. Move the rain around us in the outer skirts. Allahumma ala al-akam wa al-dhirab wa manabit al-kala wa Send the rain to the other areas. And he was doing like this, the Prophet sallallahu He was moving his hand in the air and the clouds were departing and moving away. Moving away. By moving this, he is moving the clouds in the sky. And the people came out from the masjid in a sunny day. This is something material. The one who is ever living, who does not die, I need the guidance from the one who is ever living. Not a God who died. That is what all the bulk of Christendom God died on the cross. We are not worshipping God who died. And they are pushing it down our throat and we have to accept it. Nonsense. That God died in the cross. In order, see, 
the nonsense that God in order to save the humanity, the human beings from a mistake supposedly committed by Adam, he has to kill himself. This is the, the, the Christianity. Because his servant, one of his creatures, sinned against him, he has to kill himself for that. And died, Jesus died for your sins. And they are raising the dust all over the globe for this. Go and Christianize, go and convert the heathen. They are referring to us and those who are not Christians. When Jesus Christ himself, as you know, he said, I am only sent for the lost Israel, sheep of Israel. So the message of Jesus Christ was not universal. The universalities of this deen. And this deen is the deen that's going to supersede. وَالَّذِي أَرْسَلَ رَسُولُهُ بِالْهُدَى وَدِينِ الْحَقِّ لِيُظْهِرَهُ عَلَى الدِّينِ كُلَّهِ It's him, Allah, it's he, who sent his prophet with the religion of truth that it will prevail over all other deens. Buddhism, Christianity, Judaism, anyism. It's going to supersede. And we have no doubt. We have no doubt about this. Our prophet, sallallahu alayhi wa he said, that the Muslim army is going to take Rome. Rome. The Vatican. Yes, we're going to have it. We have no doubt whether this generation, the coming generation, is going to happen. It's a prophecy. It's a prophecy. And what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decreed, it's going to pass. No one can stop it. No one can stop it. So the one who has no need for anything, Allah is not in need for anything. We are in need of him, subhanahu wa ta'ala. So man is poor to him. Man is poor to Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala. He is Allah, the true and only God. Man can bring harm to himself. If he seeks other than Allah for help. If you seek help from other than Allah, you will bring harm to yourself. And this is what is happening. I'm just going to sh mention a few points. What did man do to the environment? Billions of dollars are now spent to combat pollution. Environmental pollution. Who caused that pollution? Man himself. He was destroying and ruining the environment in the last century because of the industrial pollution, all the plants and factories, they were dumping the waste into the seas and the fumes into the air. And they were not expecting that they are going to destroy their own medium or environment. Later on they realized it. That means they were ignorant. And now they want to rectify that mistake. Medicine. I'm sure. Take any medicine. And read the, the prescription. Side effects. Have you come across a medicine without side effects? What does it mean? It means that this medicine will cure you from this, but also it's going to cause harm somewhere else. 
And there is now global trend towards what is known as herbal medicine, etc. Medicine that has been synthesized in the laboratories has side effects. Legislation. Constitutions. The constitution begins like this. It ends up in volumes. Why? What does it mean? And then according to the amendment number, this, this number closed, they keep amending. Why? Because the first man who put the law, he put it for his time. He didn't know what was going to happen tomorrow. Then new problems. These problems are not mentioned in that book, in that constitution. No answer for it. So then they have to, we have to amend it and amend and amend. So why don't you leave it to the one who knows what is better for you? He gave you the law at one go. There is it. Follow it. That's it. And man-made laws are full of loopholes. Okay? Professionals, what do you call them? Lawyers or liars? Okay? Any professional lawyer, he will bring you from any crime even if you are caught red-handed. And Simpson trial is the evidence. Is the evidence. Right? Why? Because there are loopholes in the law made by man. Why? Because man is weak. Man is limited. He doesn't know. Ethics. Immorality. Homosexuality. Things that were maybe school days. No one can talk or utter such words. And if you open the lexicon, you will find that little triangle, taboo. Is there anything taboo nowadays? It's old-fashioned. People are debating, people are defending these things. And they say, explore and enthrall your body. So a homosexual is a normal person. Not only that, the vices and these evils now publicized. And when they become publicized, then wait for Allah's destruction. Allah destroyed one complete town, the town of Sidum, because they were practicing homosexuality, the people of Lut. He sent the archangel and he uprooted the whole town and he carried it to the people, the inhabitants, the angels in the first heaven. They heard the parks of their dogs and the children and then he turned it upside down. Complete town. That is where the word is derived, sodomy, sodomy. What is sodomy? Because of the town Sodom. And a person whom they call him gay, happy, is the sodomite. And incest in many countries, incest becomes legal. There's nothing wrong. Child molestation. This is what is happening. Back home, I read in a newspaper an article, an article 
talks about foxes in Australia. I think yesterday there was a demonstration about foxes here. Okay. So, in Australia they are hunting the foxes. But they had a problem. A lot of wolves in Australia. So the wolves, they eat the foxes. So they decided to give a favor to the foxes. What to do? To kill the wolves. All right, kill the wolves, no problem. The foxes relaxed. To their surprise, they found out the quality of the fur was bad. Before, the quality of the, of the fur itself was good, fluffy, smooth. So they conducted the research. And the result was that now the quality of the fur is different because we killed the wolves. Because when the fox is chased by the wolf, it, there are certain glands, they secrete certain hormones or certain substances. These things, the, the secretions, they give that fluffiness and smoothness of the hair, of the, of, of the fur. So they said, let us bring the wolves again. Why didn't he leave it from day one? Hmm? This reflects the shallowness and the ignorance of man. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent down his books and chose his messengers to guide man to know his Lord as he subhanahu wa ta'ala had explained about himself. Now that's number one. Number two, seek him alone while living in accordance with his plan. So this is the mission of the messengers. Know your Lord, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, your creator, and you should know the answer of all of the WH questions. Why, where, when, or who, whom. And only the Muslim knows the answer. And then seek him alone. Worship him alone. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, فَعْلَمْ أَنَّهُ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ وَاسْتَغْفِرْ لِذَنْبِكَ وَلِلْمُؤْمِنِينَ وَالْمُؤْمِنَاتِ Know therefore that there is no God who deserves to be worshipped except Allah, who deserves to be worshipped. There are many gods that are worshipped. But who is the true God? Is Allah. And ask forgiveness for your faults and for the men and women who believe. For Allah knows how you move about and how you dwell in your homes. Also Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he addressed his prophet. But actually he is not addressing the prophet, he is addressing the followers of the prophet and the nation of the prophet in the person of the prophet. Though he is addressing directly the prophet, but the message not for the prophet, it is for his followers. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, وَلَقَدْ أُوحِيَ إِلَيْكَ وَإِلَى الَّذِينَ مِنْ قَبْلِكَ لَإِنْ أَشْرَكْتَ لَيَحْبَطَنَّ عَمَلُكَ وَلَتَكُونَنَّ مِنَ الْخَاسِرِينَ بَلِ اللَّهَ فَعْبُدْ وَكُنْ مِنَ الشَّاكِرِينَ We know that prophets, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they are ma'asoom, they are invaluable. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saved them from shirk. So here he is addressing the followers in the person of the prophet, sallallahu and verily it had been revealed to you, O Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. 
as has been revealed to those before you, if you join others in worship with Allah, anyone, a messenger, a prophet, a holy man, wali, anyone, shaitan, stone, dictator, tyrant, anyone, with Allah, then surely all your deeds will be in vain. Filthy rags. And you will certainly be among the losers. Among the losers. Who are the losers? Those who are destined to hell. Nay. But worship Allah and be among uh, those who are grateful to Allah. Our Prophet ﷺ, the example, the man Prophet ﷺ, the humble person, the one who stands praying the night till his feet swell. He stands in front of his Lord till his feet swell. And when Aisha asked him, why are you doing this when Allah forgave you all your, your past and your future? Everything is forgiven. Because according to the creed of Ahl Sunnah, messengers... They can commit, or the possibility of them making minor sins is there. Although Allah protects them from major sins. Major sins. So the Prophet ﷺ said, yes, though Allah forgive me everything, أَفَلَا أَكُونَ عَبْدًا شَكُورًا Why shouldn't, we, shouldn't, I be, shouldn't I be grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? A grateful servant, grateful slave. And I'm just giving, read a few du'as of the Prophet ﷺ, what he used to say. And because at the end of the day, brothers and sisters, there is the purpose behind our existence in this universe is to uh, fulfill the ubudiyah or the servitude that we are servants of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay? If we are servants and slaves of Allah, then we have to Show that and manifest it in our deeds. So the Prophet ﷺ used to say, Allahumma inni a'udhu bi ridaka min sakhatik, wa bi mu'afatika min uqubatik, wa bika mink, la uhsi thana'an alayka kama athnayta anta ala nafsik. Which means, O oh Allah, I seek refuge in you for your pleasure and against your anger and wrath and in your forgiveness, and against your punishment, and in you, from you. In you, I seek review, in you, from you. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we sin, and then we turn to Him. There is no one to turn to, except Him. We sin, but who will forgive our sins? We don't have confession, as in, in uh, Catholicism, we don't have that. You confess to Allah, that's it. You don't confess to any human beings on earth. You confess to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So though you, you committed a sin and you disobeyed him, and then you have to turn to him. And he accepts you. As long as you turn to Allah, he accepts you. O son of, your, o son of Adam, had your sins to reach the clouds, then you meet me. 
without associating any partner with me, I would have accepted that. And I would have forgiven all your sins. And I don't mind. <clears throat> and in you, from you, I cannot praise you as you can praise yourself. We cannot praise Allah more than what He qualified Himself for. That's why. Whatever He said about Himself, we accept that. Because He knows Himself better than anyone. Also, He taught us this dua to say it before we go to sleep. Allahumma inni aslamtu nafsi ilayk wa wajjahtu wajhi ilayka wa fawattu amri ilayk raghbatan wa rahbatan ilayk la malja wa la manja minka illa ilayk amantu bi kitabika alladhi anzalt wa nabiyika alladhi arsalt I have surrendered myself to you I have directed my face to you I have entrusted my affairs to you I have compelled my back to refuge in you in want and in fright of you there is no resort, no survival from you except in turning to you. I have faith in your book, which you have brought down, and in the Prophet ﷺ you have sent. And also we read that only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who removes any harm. And I would like to emphasize here upon a point that the Prophet ﷺ said, لا يرد القضاء إلا الدعاء Nothing will prevent the qada and what Allah decreed to fall upon us except the dua. So, we should keep ourselves busy with the dua. Always pray. It's the most effective and powerful weapon we have, Muslims. That's the dua. The dua. Raise our hands and cry to Allah. Save us, Allah. Help us, Allah. We are poor, our Lord. Always. We have to attach our hearts to the most powerful Al-Qawi, and that is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And if Allah is in our side, no one can defeat us, defeat us. No one. But if we are, Allah is not on our side, this is the problem. So we should be motivated to return to Him alone at all times. The other thing I'd like to talk about before reaching the, addressing the main topic, is the unseen. To believe in the unseen. Because the knowledge of the unseen belongs exclusively to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because we are limited as human beings. Our faculties are limited. Our sight is limited. Our hearing is limited. So all the five senses, they are limited. And the unseen, or what they call it, the metaphysical world, is beyond the function of the intelligence or the mind. So there is no way to know the unseen through the intelligence or through the intellect. There's no way. If you are in a room, closed, even no window, 
and somebody is knocking the door, you'll not be able to know who's at the door. At least the one who's at the door to tell you who it is. That's it. So you want to know when you cannot, you will not, when you are unable to know and incapable to know who's at the door, how can you know what is behind this world, the physical world? So you need someone to inform you about this. And the, uh, the, the ghaib are two types. Ghaib is t- are two types. Ghaibun mutlaq, absolute unseen, and ghaib nisbi, which is relative. The relative one, yes, somebody, some people might know it, some not. For instance, the, the angel, you don't know what is in the, in the, in the, in the womb. We don't know what is in the womb. But the angel knows. He knows everything about that fetus. So it is not ghaib to the angel, but it's ghaib to us. So things are relative. Things that were in the past, they were not discovered, they were ghaib. Now they are not. And you find many Muslims, they, they said, oh, you see, the Quran, there is a contradiction in the Quran. The Quran says, no one knows the unseen except Allah. Now you see, we can know what is in the womb, etc. Did you know what is in the womb by the naked eye? Or by using tools? And who told you that the meaning of the eye is confined to that? It's still, no one knows what is in the womb except Allah. And no one will know that whether this boy is going to be a believer, disbeliever, is going to hell, is going to heaven. No one knows. Except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, our topic. Preserving the call of the prophets throughout times. Messengers. As we said, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He sent the messengers to guide us. And to bring us to the shore. We're in the middle of an ocean. And they are the one who is going to steer the ship till we land on the shore. Okay? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent them to guide us. And they are their role. What is the role of the messenger or the prophet? They are intermediaries, wusata, between the creator and his servants regarding the deliverance of the message only. Only. They are intermediaries between us and Allah regarding what? Delivering the message. That's it. So the mission of the prophet or the messenger is to deliver the message and to explain it to the people. That's it. What is incumbent upon the, the apostle is a clear explanation. And you deliver the message. This is the mission of the prophet or a messenger. And it has to be also the mission of the da'i. The da'i just present Islam as it is. No need to put your own words. Just preserve it as it is. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, وَلَقَدْ بَعَثْنَا فِي كُلِّ أُمَّةِ الرَّسُولَ أَنِعْبُدُ اللَّهَ وَيْتَنِبُ الطَّاغُودِ And verily, we have phrased in every nation, every nation, a messenger, proclaiming, serve Allah and chant false gods. 
So this is the common thread throughout the messages of the prophets and messengers. All of them, they are calling to the worship of Allah alone. So the Tawheed is the core of their message. And Muslims, they always talk about unity, unity, right? And it is painful actually to see the disunity which is rampant among the Muslims. It's very painful and shame on us. But how to unite? How? Unity is a must. And the Prophet ﷺ said, الْجَمَاعَةُ رَحْمَةُ وَالْفُرْقَةُ عَذَابُ That unity is a mercy, and this unity is عذاب, punishment. But how to unite? As one of the uh, scholars said, no tawheed without the tawheed. How you want unity without unity? How you want the unity of the Muslims, but not to unite upon the tawheed? No. This is the cornerstone. So first of all, we have to agree and accept the tawheed and breach it and worship only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And any da'ya who neglects the tawheed, he's wasting his time. He's wasting his time. So tawheed is the first. The Quran from Alif Lam Mim until the end of Surah An-Nas. It's all tawheed. All tawheed. So the tawheed is the core of their message. If I'm among Muslims, what is this always your token tawheed, tawheed, tawheed? All the Muslims are muahid. Millions and millions are dying upon kufr and shirk among the Muslims. Millions, I'm not exaggerating. And may Allah reward the brothers in the Muntada and Al-Bayan magazine, they issued a book called Dam'atun ala Tawheed. And this needs to be translated if it's not translated already. Dam'atun ala Tawheed, shedding a tear because the Tawheed is lost among the Muslims. And they mention the mausoleums and the graves and the tombs are worshipped across the Muslim world. Millions of Muslims. Just look to the internet and put tomb or Muslim tombs or mausoleums and see. And you will read the rituals and how to perform the... Hmm? On the internet. Millions of Muslims, they die upon shirk, upon kufr. And you find some Muslims dies, say, what is this? The unity device the Muslim. If the unity device the Muslim, the shirk will bring the Muslims. What is this? If the tawheed will divide the Muslim, what will bring them together? The shirk? Allah Musta'ala. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, وَإِلَىٰ عَادٍ أَخَاهُمْ هُودًا قَالَ يَا قَوْمِ اعْبُدُوا اللَّهَ مَا لَكُمْ مِنْ إِلَٰهٍ غَيْرُهُ أَفَلَا تَتَّقُونَ To the Aad. People. We sent Hud, one of their own brethren. He said, Oh my people, worship Allah. You have no other God but Him. Will you not fear Allah? And then Madian, etc., etc. Also, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, So Allah created us what for? To worship Him. To be slaves, servants. That the, the, whatever he says should be implemented. We obey him. Where is the submission? 
You know the meaning of Islam, submission. What is the submission? So you find, you see, a Muslim, he said, I am a Muslim. He said, you submit? Yes, I submit. Allah says this, he would, he would become reluctant for a while or hesitant. Say, Why, akhi? Why? So what is the submission? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, وَمَا كَانَ لِمُؤْمِنٍ وَلَا مُؤْمِنَةٍ إِذَا قَضَى اللَّهُ وَرَسُولَ أَمْرًا يَكُونَ لَهُمْ الْخِيَرَةُ مِنْ أَمْرِهِمْ When Allah and His Prophet, they decide the matter, they have no choice. You have no choice except to accept, say, I hear and I obey. Muslim sister is a Muslimah. Where is the hijab? Is it a must? Or some might argue, say, you know, this is only maybe, the, it was the custom among the Arabs. They are. And you see those modernists now, huh? I don't know if you see these things, but in many Muslim countries they come on the satellite TV and she's cross-legged, you know, with her makeup and this, and she's talking about Islam. MashaAllah. No, Islam is not like that, Islam. MashaAllah. First of all, are you a Muslim? This is what the issue we should address. Who are you to talk about Islam? And this, that's what I'm saying. When we see all these things, we say, Alhamdulillah. Our iman rises and increases. Why? Because we see the fulfillment of all the prophecies. What the Prophet ﷺ said, The Ruwaybidah will talk. He said, who is the Ruwaybidah? He said, Ar-rajuli tafi. The mean, the wicked, will be token. The Amr al-Amma, issues about Islam, about the Khilafah. And he's the most wicked one on earth. The mean, tafa, he will be talking about it. And this we are seeing it. We are seeing it. This is the tragedy. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he created us to worship him. And the Prophet sallallahu he spent, you see, because I, I know, I'm running off time. I'm just flipping the page. The, the Prophet sallallahu he spent... 13 years in Mecca, concentrating upon the Tawheed. Tawheed, nothing else. Most of the ordinances, Salah things, uh, Salah in Mecca, the rest, Hijab things in Medina. Why? Because that is the foundation. You have to strengthen the foundation. Any civil engineer or architect will tell you, are you intending to add another story in this building? When you are constructing it, say yes. Say so then the, the foundation has to go deeper. Because you are going to add, this foundation will not take that addition. So the Prophet ﷺ was preparing the Sahaba to shoulder the guidance of human beings, the entire humanity. He was addressing them on the Mount of Arafat and there were 100,000. Only a few of them died inside Arabia. All of them they left. Conveying the message of Allah. Abu Ayyub, old man, he died when he was, the Muslims were invading Constantinople. And they couldn't open it. So he said, please bury me under the wall of it under the wall of the Constantinople. If you go to Turkey, you'll see his grave there. The Sahaba. So he was preparing them for this. When the Sahaba, they came to the Prophet ﷺ and they said, 
Don't you see what is happening to us? He told them, it used to happen to the believers before you more than this. You haven't seen anything. The believers who passed before you, they used to be calmed alive. The flesh will be removed alive. They would be sown alive. The hook saw would be placed on the middle of the head and he would be cut into two halves. And he would not change his stance and his iman, aqidah. The last Prophet ﷺ sent to the mankind and the jinn, he was ordered by Allah in the Quran to say, قُلْ هَذِي سَبِيلِ أَدْعُوا إِلَى اللَّهِ عَلَى بَصِيرَةٍ أَنَا وَمَنْ تَبَعَنِي وَسُبْحَانَ اللَّهُ وَمَعَنَا مِنَ الْمُشْرِكِينَ So this is the mission of the Prophet ﷺ. That he calls upon Allah, قُلْ هَذِي سَبِيلِ أَدْعُوا إِلَى اللَّهِ This is my way, I call to Allah. You are not calling to your jama'ah, you are not calling to your group, you are calling to Allah. And this is what should every da'i, calling the people to worship Allah. Enslaving the people for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Not to follow me or follow this jama'ah. So if this one who is in your jama'ah, he goes to another conference, uh, oh, then maybe you will use the hadith, man al jama'ah. Huh? Whoever leaves the jama'ah, then he will become apostate. Because you think you are the jama'at al-Muslimin, etc. So you call to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we want the people to die upon the true deen and to enter the jannah of Rabbil Alameen. Sacrifices and steadfastness in the face of adversities. As dua, it is very important that we must develop patience and perseverance. Da'wah is not an easy task. We should know that as believers, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will try our iman. In Surah Al-Ankabut, Alif Laam Meem, أَحَسِبَ النَّاسَ أَنْ يُتْرَكُوا وَنْ يَقُولَ أَمَنَّهُمْ لَيْفْتَنُوا People, they think that Allah will leave them like this. We are believers, mashallah, alhamdulillah, complacent, content, without testing them. Never works that way. Never. And it will never. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, الَّذِي خَلَقَ الْمَوْتَ وَالْحَيَاةَ لِيَبْلُوَكُمْ أَيُّكُمْ أَحْسَنُ عَمَلًا وَهُوَ الْعَزِيزُ الْغَفُورُ he who created death and life, that he may try which of you is best indeed. And he is the exalted in might, often forgiven. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is commanding us to be patient. Ya Allah you who believe, seek help with patient perseverance and prayer. For Allah is with those who patiently persevere. So, a da'i should know that this is, as Ibn al-Qayyim, Ibn al-Qayyim said, يَا مُخَنَّثِ الْعَزْمِ وَالْهِمَّةِ هَذَا طَرِيقٌ نَاحَ فِيهِ نُوحِ وَقُتِلَ فِيهِ يَحْيَى وَنُشِرَ فِيهِ زَكَرِيَّ وَكُسِرَتْ فِيهِ رُبَعِيَّةُ مُحَمَّدِ صلى الله عليه وسلم. He said, this is the way to the Jannah, full of thorns, not bathed, furnished with red carpet, no. Said in this way, Noah cried, Nahanur. John the Baptist was beheaded. Zechariah was cut into two halves with the hoaxer. And the molar tooth of the Prophet ﷺ was broken. So this is the way. And there is no other way except it. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, وَلَنَبْلُوَنَّكُمْ بِشَيْءٍ مِنَ الْخَوْفِ وَالْجُوعِ 
ونقص من الأموال والأنفس والثمرات وبشر الصابرين Be sure we shall test you with something of fear and hunger Some lost in goods or lives or the fruits of your toil But give glad tidings to those who are patiently persevere And hadith of the Prophet ﷺ That Abu Hurairah narrated radiallahu anhu a Muslim male or female remains subject to trials. Remain. This is the norm. The norm that you will remain subject to the fitan. Respect of self. A respect of self. In yourself, you'll be tested. Children, property. He or she faces Allah the exalted in a state in which all his or her sins have been remitted. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he keeps on testing you, testing you. Till when there is no single sin, he takes you. And also, the Prophet ﷺ said, see what happened to the Prophet ﷺ. I'll just summarize the hadith, that the mushriks, because of time, the mushriks, they were sitting around the Kaaba, and, this, and the Prophet ﷺ was praying in the sujood. So they said, who will go and bring the, the pleasanter of the she-camel of so-and-so? And the Prophet ﷺ was in the sujood and they placed all that filth on his back. And they were laughing. In the house of Allah, in the Kaaba, and they were laughing. And the Prophet ﷺ remained in that position. Remained in that position, he didn't move. And Fatima came and removed it. The Prophet ﷺ was strangled by Uqba bin Abi Mu'ayt. No compromisation, no halfway solutions. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is addressing his prophet by saying, Fasda bima tu'mar, fasda bima tu'mar wa a'rid anil mushrikeen. Therefore, expound openly what you are commanded and turn away from those who join false gods with Allah. No compromisation. We should not be apologetic. This is now the, the common thing among the Muslim now, which is you can see it. The norm of the Muslim are very apologetic. We should not be apologetic for anything that is mentioned in the book of Allah and the sunnah of the Prophet Not at all. And we should not twist the text in order to soothe the enemies of Islam. No. This is the truth. You want it, accept it. Otherwise, no problem. We are not forcing it. We are not compelling anyone. But we should maintain the message as it is. Not distorted. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, this is what they are after. Their desire is that you should be pliant, so would they be pliant. That what, what does it mean? That you give part of your deen, no problem. Close your eyes, give part of the deen, and we'll give part. You already gave everything. You're not going to lose anything. But if I give anything of the deen, I'm the losers. So they are saying, let us have a discussion or uh, what they call it, interfaith, etc. This is a waste of time. If they want a discussion or interfaith or a talk or debate, whatever they want it, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned this 1400 years ago in Surah Al-Imran, Ayah 64. قُلْ يَا أَهْلَ الْكِتَابِ تَعَالُوا إِلَىٰ كَلِمَةٍ سَوَاءٍ بَيْنَنَا وَبَيْنَكُمْ أَلَّا نَعْبُدَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ وَلَا نُشْرِكَ بِهِ شَيْئًا وَلَا يَتَّخِذَ بَعْضُنَا بَعْضًا أَرْبَابًا مِن دُونِ اللَّهِ Will, are they ready for this? Jews and Christians? No. 
I remember that Ahmed did that. Jazakallah khair. He sent telegrams, many telegrams to the Pope himself. Because, the, you know, this, the Pope, whenever he lands in any Muslim country, he calls for debate or discussion. So he said, I want to discuss with you. So he never replied. And finally he told him, I will meet you secretly in the secretariat or in the Vatican. He said, no, no, no. I'm bringing thousands of Muslims to witness this event. I want it in the square of St. Peter in Rome. Either you become a Muslim or I become a Christian. That's it. No chance. Okay? You become a Muslim or become a Christian, if you have the truth. Okay? So, we should not be fooled. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, oh, Say, O oh people of the scripture, Jews and Christians, Come to a word that is equitable, common term, between us and you, that we will not worship except Allah. Are they ready for this? To worship none but Allah? No. Okay. And not associate anything with him, any partner with him. And not take one another as loads besides Allah, instead of Allah. But if they turn away, then say, bear witness that we are Muslims. That we are Muslims. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, قَدْ كَانَتْ لَكُمْ أُسْوَةٌ حَسَنَةٌ فِي إِبْرَاهِيمَ وَالَّذِينَ مَعَهُ إِذْ قَالُوا لِقَوْمِهِ إِنَّا بُرَآءُ مِنْكُمْ وَمِمَّا تَعْبُدُونَ مِنْ دُونِ اللَّهِ كَفَرْنَا بِكُمْ وَبَدَا بَيْنَنَا وَبَيْنَكُمُ الْعَدَاوَةُ وَالْبَغْضَاءُ أَبَدًا حَتَّى تُؤْمِنُوا بِاللَّهِ وَحْدًا Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala here is reminding us. He's saying there is for you an excellent example. Excellent example. Uswa. That means I want you to be like Ibrahim. There is for you an excellent example to follow in Abraham and those with him. When they say to their people, non-Muslims, we are clear of you and whatever you worship besides Allah. We have rejected you and there has arisen between us and you enmity and hatred forever. Some Muslims, they will twist this text as well. No, 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 no. Apologetic again. Please, for the God's sake, don't do that. Don't do that. Allah is telling you He's an excellent example for you. The fathers, the ummah, Ibrahim. And there has arisen between us and you Enmity and hatred forever. Unless you believe in Allah and Him alone. Once you believe in Allah and Him alone, that's it. You are brothers. That's why we are calling everyone. We Muslims have the ultimate truth, the only truth. We are the followers of all the prophets. We are the true followers of Christ. If you want to become a better Christian, become a Muslim. That's it. We pray the way Christ prayed and prophets prayed. So if you want to become a better Christian, become a Muslim. That's the only way. So the Muslims are the better and the true followers of, uh, of Christ. Christians, they are not Christians. They are Paulians indeed. They are following not Christ, but they are following St. Paul.
and see when the iman brothers settles in the heart. What does it do? You know that the Pharaoh, he, he brought all the magicians. And he gave them promises that you will become advisors, I will give you all these things. But the moment they throw their robes and strings, etc. And when you, Musa alayhi salam, he threw the staff, it became a real serpent. And swallowed everything, all of them prostrated. Because they realized that this is a true sign. Immediately they believed. And Fir'aun started to threaten them. They told him, قَالُوا لَن نُؤْثِرَكَ عَلَى مَا جَاءَنَا مِنَ الْبَيِّنَاتِ وَالَّذِي فَطَرَنَا فَاقْضِ مَا أَنْتَ قَابْضٍ إِنَّمَا تَقْضِ هَذِهِ الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا Do whatever you want. They said, never shall we regard thee, we are not afraid of you, as more than the clear signs that have come to us, or than him who created us. So decree whatever you desire, whatever you want, what can you do to me? The maximum thing that you can do, you will kill me. That's it. So decree whatever you desire to decree. For you can only decree and end the life of this world. That's it. But nothing more than this. In the story of Abdullah ibn Hudaf, there are Muslims who were arrested and took to the Byzantine Empire as prisoners. And the king was trying to tempt them and to convert them, etc. And all the attempts failed. So he started to threaten them. So he said to Abdullah ibn Hudaf and his brothers, now he said to his troops, take them and drop them into boiling pots full of oil. And they would lower the body with chains. Immediately when the body touches the oil, you can see the, flow, the bones are floating white. And they were lowering the Sahaba in front of Abdullah ibn Hudaba, and he was watching. Then he shed the tears. So they say to the king, oh, now he's afraid. Maybe he, now he will change his, he will compromise. So they took him to the king. He said, you change your mind? He said, no. So why did you, he said, then why did you cry? He said, because I remembered that I have only one soul. Immediately when I am dipped, that soul will go. I hope that I have as many as the hairs of my head souls. That they will die for the cause of Allah one after the other. See the firmness? You see the steadfastness? He shed tears because he will die immediately. He wished that he has many souls so he will die one again and again and again. So he told him, I will set you free on one condition. That you kiss my forehead. He said, not only me and all my brothers said, all the Muslims with you. He kissed the forehead of the king. And he went to Medina. Umar ibn Khattab, he received him and he embraced him. And he said, I am going to kiss the forehead of Abdullah ibn Hudafa. And all of you should do the same thing to him. Because he managed to save the Muslims. See Hud, what Hud alayhi salam said to his people. فَكِيدُونِ جَمِيعًا ثُمَّ لَا so scheme your words against me, all of you, and give me no respite. I'm not afraid of you. But at the same time, Allah's apostles' hearts were full of mercy and kindness. The Prophet ﷺ, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in Surah Al-Kahf, 
It seems it's a paradox, but it's not a paradox. Yes, we cry for the people and we want Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to guide them to the truth. That's why we call them. But they have no room in our hearts. Because we are, because if you love the enemies of Allah, Allah hates you. So you should only love whomever Allah loves and hate whomever Allah hates. I cannot love the enemies of Allah that Allah hates. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told us about the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa He said, You would only kill yourself to death. You are killing yourself, following after them in grief if they believe not in the message. You know the meaning of bakha'a bakha in Arabic? Bakha'a. The meaning of the bakha in the Arabic language is to sever and cut the spinal cord. Spinal cord. So the sorrow and the grief was so much that it was nearly going to kill the Prophet he, shed, he was shedding the tears all the night praying for the mushriks to guide them. Praying to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to guide them. And he used to say, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Oh Allah, forgive my people because they don't know. And when he came from the Taif and the two angels came, he said, Allah is telling you if you want us to bring those two towering mountains upon them, we'll do. He said, no. May Allah bring forth from their loins those who will worship Allah alone. I hope that if they don't accept their future, the children after them. And the methodology of prophets in calling to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. <clears throat> we have to concentrate on a few points here regarding the da'wah and the call of the prophets. First of all, the knowledge that what, uh, of what uh, one calls to Allah. So you should know. If you are jahil, this is the problem of many, many, many Muslims. There are many da'is are jahil. Yes, they are jahil. And they don't want to admit this. And this is what they call it, compound ignorance. You don't know that you don't know. And you, and you will never learn. You will le never learn. There are many da'is who are jahil. And they call themselves da'is. This is a fact. And there is a sickness also among the Muslims. When one towering figure refers to Islam, we make him the imam. Sharing panels, talking about Islam, when he doesn't know the fundamentals, the alphabets of Islam. And every group is trying to snatch him. Come here, come here, come here. No, alhamdulillah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saved him from the fire. That's it. Now, he has to go through to the KG, alphabets of Islam. Maybe his PhD holders, etc. And I'm just giving an example. There's a French philosopher who was a communist and he became a Muslim. And don't know whether he's still in Islam or not. He's known as Garudi. Roger Garudi. Okay? The, in one of the conferences, Muslims, they gave him more than 100 questions. He said, when you become a Muslim, alhamdulillah, we like that. But now, we are, we are starting uh, talking about Abrahamic faith and uh, bringing all the deen together, etc. So, can you answer these questions? He couldn't. He couldn't. So, we should not... Push someone, put him there and make him an imam when he doesn't know anything about the deen. So we have to seek the true knowledge. 
also acting in accordance with that which we you call to. We have to be true examples, true Muslims. So people, they will laugh. They see that Islam has been crystallized, put into action. Purity of intention. We have to have the ikhlas. If there is no ikhlas, the da'wah will not prosper. That means we do things for Allah purely and exclusively. Obligation of a Muslim towards non-Muslim. What is our obligation towards them? That we show them the way and try to bring them out of the darkness. And inshallah, this is the end of the talk. May Allah accept our deeds. May Allah forgive us our faults and overlook our faults. Amen. And is there anything remaining? Five minutes something? I have five minutes. I can entertain one question or two. Related to the topic. If you, um, I think, just raise your hands for the time being, and we'll just take one or two from the floor. The rest of you, if you write your questions, and, and there's a box which is going to go around, I'll put it in the box as you go out, and we'll, we'll take them later on. The brother at the back, I think, is first. Yeah. Okay. Two types of ghaib. Oh. You see, I say there are two types of ghaib. Ghaib, which is absolute, no one knows about it, even the prophets. Even the Prophet ﷺ or the prophets. The Prophet ﷺ, he, did, he doesn't know the unseen. He doesn't know the ghaib. That's why when the Jewish, the Jewish lady gave him the thigh full of poison, he ate it. Okay? He didn't know that Aisha was innocent till the Quran told him. He didn't know that the necklace was under the camel. So the Prophet ﷺ, he doesn't know the unseen. And you found the Sufis there saying he knows the unseen. One month, people are talking about Aisha. And he doesn't know. Only the Quran told him, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the unseen, the absolute one, only Allah knows about it. There are things which are relative. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he, either through the prophets, or certain things that they were not known to us, they will be, uh, become known, and that is relative unseen. Yes, this is, as they say, people, they think it's a contradiction. No. They have no room in our hearts. We feel pity for them. The, see the Prophet ﷺ. He's the example. He was crying for his uncle, Abu Talib. And he was appealing and pleading to him when he was breathing his last. Ya Amma, oh my uncle. Qul la ilaha illallah. But he refused. What did he say? I will ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to forgive you. Unless he stops me. And immediately the Quran came down. So it is not, it has, you have to have that pain. And you cry, your mother, your father, etc. And we are not asking you to hate them. No. There are different levels of love. There are four levels of love. And one of them is called natural love. Now maybe you say, I am a Muslim and my mother is not a Muslim. Should I hate her? No, I'm not saying. Because there is something natural. But you should not obey them when they ask you something. And see the companions. One of the companions, <coughs> his mother told him, because she knows that her child is so dutiful. When he became a Muslim, she said, I will not eat, I will not drink, I will not sit in the shade. He told her, listen my mother. 
even if you have 100 souls and i saw them leaving huh the body one after the other i will not leave this dean so it's better for you to eat and drink that's it that's it so we call the people feel pity for them cry for them pray for them be nice to them giving them their rights that is another issue so we should not mix things together the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam when he knew that there a jew is breathing his last he rushed and he said to him say la ilaha illallah and the child he looked to his father his father he's afraid of his father and the father said ata bil qasim listen to the father of al qasim and the child said ashhadu an la ilaha illallah ashhadu anna muhammadar rasulullah the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam was rejoicing and he came out saying alhamdulillah alladhi anqadahum an-nar this is different and this is different father so we should not mix things together we should maintain our identity yes father ah you see first of all this hatred it is one of the functions of the heart it is inside and at the same time you are making da'wa and when you face your enemy with a gloomy face and you are showing hatred will he accept islam no this is something between you and allah okay at the same time you don't bring them closer as advisors i'm talking about muslims and etc you know i'll just conclude with this umar ibn khattab he knew that abu musa al ash'ari had a scribe a writer a christian writer he sent a letter to him and the letter begins malaka qatalaka allah the letter says like this what is wrong woe to you may allah destroy you from umar ibn khattab to abu musa al ash'ari ala wajadta katiban hanifa didn't you find a scribe who is a monotheist abu musa said wama li min min dinihi i'm only using him to write the letters he said la tudnihim id aqsahum allah don't bring them closer when allah made them distant and don't trust them when allah said they are not trustworthy this is unless umar ibn khattab was fanatic and something else that's okay last question ah you see there are different levels the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said balghu anni walaw ayah one 